This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 601 with Gavin Campbell, recorded on February 29th, Leap Day, by the way, 2024. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the Average Tech Guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a weird Bellevue, Nebraska, Galvin. I, 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 Gavin, I think, Galvin, where did I get that from? I think they're metal. Gavin, uh, you've had some weird weather coming in. This is whatever's going on right now. We had spring, winter, and then spring again, right? Is it same thing for you guys? Yeah, it, it's we had a temperature swing of like almost twenty to thirty degrees, right? Yeah, Celsius. Yeah, so Celsius. I, 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 yeah. I'm gonna make everyone do the math because I don't That's want to do right. the math today. Right. But Americans we are like, the only one that use Fahrenheit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. So we yeah. went from like plus fourteen degrees Celsius to like negative six to negative ten, like within like four or five hours, mm. and it was just insane. Like I was in a t-shirt at one point. And then, like, gloves, hat, and everything four hours yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. Monday, everybody in Omaha was like, it was, I think it hit 80 here. And everybody was like, spring is here. And I'm like, my friends, just wait 24 hours. It's Nebraska. <laughs> right? You know this is not real. And uh, sure enough, we were, uh, I think it got down to 10 Fahrenheit. And I was telling you, I have some plants. I have some crocuses that I plant. And they're they're pretty hardy. Like they're winter hardy. They'll come up early. They'll survive a snow, not 10 degrees. <laughs> they were all, they were all dead today. When I went out there, they were like, I was like, Oh, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bummer. Well, hopefully, and I know our friends in California right now, they have a, this weekend, they have a blizzard advisory up in the Sierra and they're expecting feet of snow up there. So you guys, everybody stay safe, no matter where you are. This is that time of the year. I think, uh, I don't know what's going to cause it, but with everything that's going on, I think we may be in for an interesting spring here in the United States with all the tornado weather and those kinds of things. So anyways, everybody stay safe. Uh, we'll, we'll post a show with some world-class show notes out at the average guy.tv. Big thanks to Tony Rayner who joined me two weeks ago. Last week I was off. I had a work event on Thursday night. I actually did six podcasts for work last week, which was kind of crazy. And you think, you know, Gavin, you think, you know, you, you'd think that'd be fun. And it was right. I mean, you get to do, you get to do your hobby at work, but after six by Thursday night, when I got done at 9 PM or nine 30 on, uh, on Thursday, I was ready to be done. So it's, it's, you know, how many, how many podcasts do you think? Have you ever recorded? How, what's your, what do you think your record is? You're over at hometech.fm, by the way, if folks want to head over and hear you. But have you ever done multiple podcasts in a week? Uh, in a week, yeah. yeah. In a, I, I've done multiple podcasts in a day too. I think. Oh yeah. Um, with you, one day I did. Uh, we did the oh, home yeah. tech one right before, and then that yep. morning I also did another one. So I think I did three that day. Yeah. Um, but that would have been my, my record. Yeah, three. Well, three in a day is good. That's I. I try to keep it to no more than two. You know, we were doing like eight a.m. or no. 9 a.m. and 8 p.m. for three days. Like that's what we yeah. were doing. 
And uh, I, I don't know if I've done more than three. So it's a, that's a good number. It kind of, after a while, your, your brain kind of goes to mush. You know, you're like, I don't know what I said anywhere. <laughs> you I'm not all sure. the shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, you, you do, right? You, you kind of confuse them all anyway. So yeah. big thanks to Tony Rayner for joining us two weeks ago. And then big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Of course, if you if you if you uh, support us on Patreon, big thanks for doing that. You don't have to, and you can do it for a month or multiple months. But to appreciate that, if you want to join the team, you can head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. Gavin Campbell is joining me uh, today. Gavin, thanks for thanks for coming back. I appreciate it. Always good to have you. Oh, it's great to be here. Uh, you know, I always like when we catch up because I go through some of the stuff you know we've been covering for the last. How many months since I was last on here? I can't remember. It's been two, but... two or three, maybe. I think it's been a quarter since. Yeah, you there's yeah. a few good. So I know, I know. TJ brought you up to speed with some things, but you know, like I know. Um, um, I, I, I kept a few back from him. I told him not to talk about. You know, <laughs> it was great having TJ. It was great having TJ on. He, he was awesome, and I know he's out in the chat room. So th- TJ, yeah. thanks for joining. We'll have to get him back on here. He needs to kind of add the, you know, add to the rotation on what we're doing, but. It, it was uh, it was always always good. What's going on at HomeTech.fm? What are you guys What are you guys talking about over there? What's some recent oh, topics? All the usuals. I don't even remember. Like 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 you. I don't even remember what we talked about anymore. But you know, we we cover all the latest gadgets that are getting released. You know, all the latest news and matter. All the latest just industry news in general. You know, all the drama going on. Things getting announced. Um, you know, every week is just wild topics, and we go through. I think. One of part of the one of the favorite parts of the show, I think, with listeners now is when we give out some free consulting. You know, we talk about projects we've been working on, mm. or you know, if people write in, they ask us how we would do that. That seems to be coming a little bit more popular now. We get a lot more feedback about that. You know, we got to start charging for that, though. Yeah, find a way yeah. to charge for that. You know, you do. Yeah. yeah, that's the hard part, right? I mean, it's fun when it's free. Yeah. But, yeah right. <laughs> But it, well, we've kind of created a free, open culture in a lot of ways, right? Where yeah. it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, if you paid for it all, I don't know if you could afford it. That'd be some of the this. Listen, this home automation stuff, and that's what you spend a lot of time talking about. Yeah. This, do you feel like uh, b- before we kind of dive into the topics, do you feel like home automation? If you were to rate it on a scale of one to ten, with one being very immature and ten being mature, where where would where would that land on a scale for you as far as where do you think in the continuum you we are with home automation? I want to say we're at about a six, yeah. um, yeah. And, and but we're making moves in the right direction. Um, mm. okay. You know, like ten years ago, it probably it was much worse. You know, like and even like three years ago, it was much worse. What, what makes things, it worse? What makes it worse, um, or what it made it worse back? It just the protocols ago. back then weren't as um, you know okay. settled, weren't as mature, they weren't as good. But now, when you got things like Z-Wave eight hundred and Zigbee three they're a lot more solid now. They run a lot better. They get more distance, better coverage, less problems. You know, but we're still in that compatibility issue, like. Like, um, you know, things just not working together yet, uh, all the time yet. You know, everyone trying to figure out how to make their own little walled garden still. Yeah. That type of thing. And why say we're in the right direction is with matter coming out. That, you know, we'll get into that, but that's putting us in the right direction. 
Yeah. But for folks who don't know, give a give a little just a few a few seconds on what is Matter. Talk a little bit about that real quick. Uh, Matter is a new protocol, so it, it runs over Thread. So it's more of the application la- layer to it. But what it is, it's it's basically a new standard that they're coming with that devices can um, utilize, similar to Z-Wave or Zigbee, um, where they will be able to talk to everything. So you'll have a device and you don't have to worry, does it work with this hub or that hub? No, if your hub supports Matter, it's going to work with HomeKit. It's going to work with your Amazon. It's going to work with your Google, you know, your Home Assistant. It's going to work with all those devices. And that's where, you know, we're going towards is once devices are on this Matter, on Matter, and you're utilizing Matter, we don't have, have these walled gardens anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's the application layer because it works. Matter works over things such as, um, uh, thread. It will use thread as the underlying communication protocol, right? Um, and it will use uh, Wi-Fi also as the underlying communication protocol. But then the matter is kind of like at the application layer where it can it, it, it encodes and decodes and you know handles all that stuff. So it's really interesting. It started off really rocky. Like I had my doubts at first. You had all the big names working on it. You have Amazon. You have Google. You have all the big names working on it. I had my doubts. It started off really rocky, but lately it's been getting a lot better. Um, and that has a lot to do with bug fixes coming in the chips and, you know, coming in the operating yeah. systems and, and stuff like that. And they're adding features slowly and it's coming. It's really good. It's getting are, the, are the hardware vendors being more kind to it? Because I think that's sometimes what it takes, right? Is they've got to be doing some things to be friendly to that or or is there some more adoption around that with the with the vendors i think with the vendors every vendor is talking matter now like every time you see a a device now they're saying um a lot of times you know if it doesn't support matter now they're making the promise you know matter to come and i always say don't buy a a product based on promises right because you know you never know if it'll ever come through but there a lot of them are saying matter will come we're preparing it but um there are a lot of matter devices starting to come out and I think it's it's basically on everybody's mind. We pretty much have to come out with a matter of device. Have you you guys been talking about matter on HomeTech.fm? Have you guys been spending some time? Do you have a guest? You put that in the show notes. Talk yes. a little bit about that. So we we, we interviewed um, Daniel Monita, and he is part of the Matter Working Group. Um, so he works with all the guys on the, the the all the protocols and everything like that, and the marketing and stuff. And um, if you go to hometech.fm, you can look for that interview and what it was a really good interview. Like I went into that interview with a negative look on matter. And after that interview, oh, really? yeah, really? like I, okay. I, I was going into that with, I don't like this. I don't like this. And, you know, I was ready to drill him and we drilled him. And then after that interview, he, we were like converts and I'm not just talking me, even TJ was, you know, Seth was, and we were <laughs> much nicer to matter after the fact. So oh. it's a good interview if you're like a matter doubter to see, like to listen to that. And it may be a few months old by now because there's even more stuff happening with matter on the, even on the home assistant side, you know, yeah. where they're introducing tools to troubleshoot almost like they were listening to some of the stuff we were complaining about. Right. Yeah. So well, they probably it, were, they probably would be surprised. And yeah. You know, yeah. Daniel Monita. Is that, yes. am I pronouncing M M O N E T A search that. Head out to hometech.fm and uh, and make sure you you listen to that episode. Do you think? I mean, it sounds like Matters kind of the open source hub, so to speak, for for home automation. Would would I be categorizing that correct? Is that what you'd say, or or how would you say it? it it's 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 the open source protocol. 
So it's easy okay. for people to implement. Okay. Um, and I don't know what hub you're working with right now. Um, do you like have a, a hub couple. in your house? Well, no. Well, I, the 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 Amazon device is probably the closest thing to a okay. hub that I that I have. And that, yeah. depending on which one it has, it may have thread radios, but it could be. It's also matter compatible, and oh, you know, if okay. you get like a Wi-Fi matter device, at minimum, it should work with that, right? And it just yeah. it will use the Wi-Fi to communicate, but then the matter is the protocol, so it knows how to talk to each other, and it will handle it from there. So it, it it's the future in terms of just interoper interoperability. I yeah. had to work on yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. It seems like I feel like home automation slowed down a little bit in the last six months. Did you're shaking your head? Do you do you agree with that? Does it seem like it's settling in? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Or what um, do you think? It's not a bad thing. Uh I, I, I totally agree with your vision. I know there's a podcaster that she actually canceled her podcast. I think she felt the same way that everything's just becoming there's nothing new being done. <laughs> Yeah, I feel the same yeah. way. I feel like a lot of companies, when they come out, they, they come out with the same things that are already out here. Here's our version of a switch. Here's our version of a contact sensor, you know, right. but there's right. nothing new they added to it. And I think we're in that point where a lot of people want to come out with all their versions of stuff that already exists now. And then they may iterate upon it. But there's a few areas where I think is good for, you know, like, people to step in and make a change like you know just off the top of my head uh toaster like come in like that's what open for home op automation you know and yeah. that's just a, that's just a joke but right. i say there's a lot of things out there that yeah. uh, you know are open for home automation and even yeah. making it simpler yeah well and longevity is it's one of those things i was listening to windows weekly this week and Paul Therod had mentioned a Cortana-based uh, therm uh, thermostat that had come out at one point in time. And I was like, could you imagine if you'd bought that and how how quickly Microsoft abandoned it? I mean, it was like all that Cortana stuff was abandoned. Now, you know, if you think about the Nest or the Ecobee or, you know, fill in the blank, there's been a handful that have made it so far. Yeah. Uh, from a thermostat perspective, you, you'd been okay. I had my, uh, I, we had our air conditioner replaced right at the end of the season last year. And I asked my, you know, my HVAC guy that came in to do it. And I like this guy. He's kind of old school. I was like, Hey, would you put in, like, would you put in a nest thermostat for me? And he goes, no, <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we don't like those. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, they're complicated. And that's and, what it is. And he said to me, he said, I get too many callbacks on them. By the time we put them in and service them, we get so many questions that we don't make any money off of them. Now, I, what 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 I read into that is is that we get heat there when you install them for the average person, like for the for the for the regular person, like for you and me, we want a monkey with it. We're going to be okay yeah. with it. We might ask a few questions, but they're not. Well, in his opinion, I, I I don't know if I'd have this opinion, but he says they're not ready for the average consumer yet really to take on. I think they kind of are. He may have been a little old to, old school from that perspective. I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Gavin? I, I, I actually have this conversation. My neighbor's an HVAC guy. 
So, yeah. and when we talked about this for a while, he was anti Echo B. He was just the old school thermostat, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah, what yeah. happened was people were actually calling him and requesting an Echo B to be installed. Yeah, yeah. So he actually had to consult me. He's like, all right, well, what's the deal with this thing? Right. So there's been a number of jobs where he has the client talk to me, uh, you know, on uh to get them prepared for this echo b because yeah, there's yeah. certain things when they yeah. get the echo b with the sensors you got to be careful where you lay those sensors out in yeah. the room because yeah. that will throw off the measurements of the echo b i usually put the sensors next to where we sit in the room the most right because i found if you put it up against the wall too high too low it throws off the sensor in that room and your echo b then starts to balance a temperature that's not what represents where mm -hmm. you are sitting Right. And people didn't realize that, you know, and I told I had to tell them if you put this sensor in your kitchen by that door that opens and closes all the time, it's going to throw off the echo be a lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Leave it out. Don't put it in the sun. It's going to really mess with that. And yeah. they don't that starts to make it sound more complicated to them. But I have to go and give them that. He wants me to give them that talk because he doesn't want when they call him, he has no clue. No. Now, and my guy, he, he literally, as I was like, Hey, I was thinking about putting an S thermostat in, he was already shaking his head like this, yeah. you know? And he's like, uh, yeah, we don't do that. And I, I was, I was a little disappointed. I love the company that does my HVAC stuff here. I have them come, you know, twice a year, do the, you know, do the, um, the checkup, the furnace check, this, the air conditioner check. He put in a sweet air conditioner for me you know, back in the fall. And I called him and said, Hey, I'm not in no big hurry, but our air conditioner is 30 years old. Like in, so it's going to need to be replaced. Can he's like, Oh, I'm going to give you a great deal. Don't worry about it. I'm gonna come and take care of you. And he did, but it would just took me by surprise when I was like, Hey, could you, would you consider throwing a nest in and setting it up? And he was like, yeah, no, <laughs> it just was, it was super funny. Yeah. Um, TJ, going back to some comments in chat, he said we were talking about the interview uh, for for um, for Matter, and he said, "Yeah, that interview changed his opinion as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent skeptical going in. It sounds like that might be a really good interview to listen to if you're thinking about it." And then Tony says, "Is it possible to have a Matter-enabled hub so I could use my Google-friendly lights with HomeKit, or am I looking at it the wrong way?" I think you're looking at it the wrong way at that point. Uh, because if a device is made for Google, it's made for Google, right? And usually it's done that way so it doesn't work any, with anything else and people are forced to buy the Google stuff, right? If the device says it's Matter compatible and your Google device is Matter compatible and your HomeKit's Matter compatible, that device will work with all of them. And you just add it to each one and it adds to all of them. And it's like it's independent, but it's still together. So it's you got to think of it like that, right? You have to have the Matter device and the hub that you attach it to or the hubs uh all have to be matter compatible as well so for the longest time when i would buy iot on amazon i would see it would say hey i'm amazon or google assistant compliant type thing are are we should we be looking for matter compliant is that something that's showing up as on on the descriptions now is that is that happening yeah, the branding, they, they, they add branding now to products. So um, I think it's if you look like Eve sensors on Amazon, you'll see them with the actual matter branding on them, right? Because okay. I think they okay. were some of the first to actually come out with devices that are matter compatible, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you want to look for the matter. And, and usually, like, 
my Aquara ones, uh, I have the contact sensors that are matter compatible and they work really well. And like I said, I can add them to my home kit and to my home assistant. Right. So I have them right. in both right. ecosystems. Right. Um, it, it's kind of sometimes it's it's kind of redundant, though, the way things are today, because a lot of these ecosystems had to bridge things in a way to get around that already. Mm-hmm. So usually I can add something to Home Assistant and then I can expose it all to Amazon. I can expose it to HomeKit. I can expose it to Google right. and control it all through there anyway. But this one's adding the direct the, the products directly to each one of those. Now, that's the maddening part of IoT, right, today yes. is that I could add it to all these. I might have it added to three different, you know, I've got, uh, I might add it to home to a home assistant. Well, first of all, I'm going to add it to the the A-Lady, right? Yeah. That's kind of the the hub we've been using. Uh, but then it's going to show up in home assistant. And, um, you know, for some folks, they might have HomeKit or they might not have another, they might have another hub. I have a Philips hub. That Philips hub just sits like it's there. It's exposed to my network. It does things. It shows up as a part of uh, any of those. You know, you go into uh, the Alexa app or you go into some of those apps. You know, maybe it's the uh, the uh, the D-Link app or maybe it's the Miros app. And they all start seeing things from yeah. each other, right? I mean, I think now we might suffer a little bit from too many options uh, to be. And then I have trouble remembering, like, our Christmas lights are on a Philips. I think it's Philips. It might be something different. But they're on their own app as well. And then I have to remember. And then I've got them plugged into a smart plug on the outside. And I'm like, did I schedule that on the smart? Because it comes on and off at a certain time every night. And I, I mistakenly set a time of the evening instead of setting sun up and sun down, which I should have done from the very beginning. Yeah. So then it was, I was turning them on at 5.15 because when I set up those Christmas lights in December, that's when it got dark. But now they're coming on. Now it's light at 7, right? Or 6.30, whatever that is. So we, we do, we got a plethora of options there, right? I mean, and, and then Too we've many. got some, right? Yeah, I mean, it's. It is. Will matter fix this? Do you think, or are we? It's just always going to be a struggle. Um, matters. I don't know if matter will fix this, but matter will fix the issue of you don't have to buy a device and it only works with one ecosystem. Okay. So no right. matter right. what you have, if you have three ecosystems in your house, you're still going to have that problem. You don't know yeah. where it is, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I was like that when I first started. I was buying all sorts of random devices. Yeah. And trying to get them all to work together. And I had one app for this set and one app for this set. And over time, I learned I centralized everything on a hub. And I kind of stuck to I I stick as much to Z-Wave or Zigbee. But I know now what to look for whenever I'm investigating something new. Yeah. I know what I want it to work with, how I want it to work, how I want it to communicate. And I make if it doesn't meet everything I need, I just, you know, I don't bother with it because it's going to be more headache than anything. Right. Yeah. And the home assistant yeah. seems to be one of the... um the one hub that kind of does the most when it comes to compatibility. Seems like it, doesn't it? It seems like where I've, that's kind of where I've landed. Um, I get black Friday deals from Hubitat and I always think like, Ooh, should I get, should I, they've got a pretty sweet offering going on right now too. Right. And that would be, would you call Hubitat a home assistant competitor? Uh, Um, Because they make the hardware too, but right. But they also have a front end. They're, they're, they are competitors. You know, yeah. I, I'm a home assistant person because I, I, I'm more of a power user and 
uh, you know, with the number of devices I have in my house, Home Assistant just works well. Um, I also like the flexibility of Home Assistant. I can choose what USB sticks I want to use for Z-Wave or Zigbee or whatever. I can I can choose what hardware I run it. It runs on my Unraid box right now as a VM, you know, like I have so much power over it. But I had Hubitat for years and I really liked their development, like the developing on Hubitat. So the programming and stuff was so much easier, more fun. I did a lot of development on it and it's a very powerful hub. I mean, if you're not going to go for something really powerful, like, and you don't want to deal with like home assistant, Hubitat is, is a good choice as well. Very powerful hub that can do a lot. Um, people knock it for the looks a lot of the time, you know, they don't like it. It's just a block. Well, not the hardware, but the interface itself. Oh, it is bad. Yeah. It's not great. It it gets the most hate for that, but yeah, I mean, if you get around that, it's a really powerful hub that's compatible with a lot of things. So I, I recommend it. It'd be great if you could take the Home Assistant app and put it on top of Hubitat. You yeah. te- you can. Like, could you? All right. There's an integration that will connect the Hubitat to the Home Assistant if you really want to. And you can use the Hubitat for all the you know automations, all the whatever you want, and then just expose the devices to Home Assistant and use the Home Assistant interface if you really wanted to. You know, you can, if you, some, some people just expose them to HomeKit and use the HomeKit interface to control their devices instead, right? Like you can, but um, now you have two hubs running, you know, when I first switched over to Home Assistant, my Hubitat I used for the antennas and I added all the devices to Hubitat and then I just exposed them to Home Assistant and did all the automations. Yeah. Well, and that's the trick is knowing when to do what and where and how, right? Um, So Tony follows up, says, so could it be attached to Google and HomeKit at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. And again, going back into Matter Device he's talking about, that's the point of it. It it has like, it's multi, I can't remember, multi-admin, I think they're calling it. So it can be in all ecosystems at the same time and um, controllable from each one of them. Well, and that's good and bad in the yeah. sense that then, you know, for us, we're tinkering with all these different things, trying this, trying that. I mean, I had Hubitat set up for a while. Then you and some others talked me into Home Assistant. <laughs> and I listen, I love Home Assistant. I am never doing, no, I shouldn't say that. But right now, today, <laughs> never doing anything different, right? Because I love the way Home Assistant works. It's easy to set up. You've written, I'm, you've coded for Home Assistant, right? You've written yeah, some things. Yeah, I guess to make I could call work. it that, yeah, to yeah. get some things working. It, it's not as easy working. as Habitat, you know. Right. Well, but you've gotten it done. For me, I'm not going to code to get it done, but it, it picks up most of what I want. I mean, I've even got it integrated in with my car. Yep. So I've got a dashboard for my car that says tire pressure, oil change, when that's coming up. Um if it's locked, like I actually just didn't realize this. It's, it's telling me on the dashboard. <laughs> I was looking at it to, to be like, here's what it offers. And it's telling me it's locked. And I didn't know that actually. That'll save me because sometimes when I go to bed, either I grab the fob and and just make sure it's locked. Or I grab my phone and I just, you know, I go on the app and make sure it's locked. I could have been looking here the whole time. So I've got odometer. I have how much my range is left on it. So in yeah. theory, I could look at it in the morning and say, can I make it to work? That's really never a, con- a consideration. And then an average fuel consumption. So I'm seeing that in Home Assistant, which is super cool. 
the you know like my printer ink levels are there that was easy to get all the battery levels for my ring devices are there all the light for both um for the for the light bulbs that i've bought you know that don't have a hub to the phillips ones that do have a hub uh they're all there they all work right i've got the i bought some um Oh, I'll remember this in a second. But I bought some humidif- humidity detectors, right? Humid- humistats. Yes. That for the cigars, right? Yes. Those are all in there, right? They tell me temperature. Um, uh, Those are the Bluetooth the, ones, right? Yeah, the Bluetooth. Yeah. Ones. Yeah. Humidity. I bought a sensor for it so that would work. Um, and what the battery level is, right? And then um, I even bought a new one of those that I put in the garage to tell me, you know, when it gets really cold, we want to turn the heater on to heat the garage during particularly cold times during the winter. So I've just found Home Assistant to be a really, I think, a really, really good hub for that. Would you you disagree or agree with that? Uh, I'll agree with that totally. I, I found when I went to Home Assistant, I had to do actually less coding. Because everybody, somebody already did everything I, I I wanted to do. There was just one like my my floodlights I wanted to get done um, a certain way, so I wrote that integration myself. But it was already there, and it's not. This is why I say Habitat's a nice hub too, is because you can do all this stuff in Habitat, but it's a little bit more complicated. I found myself having to spin up like Docker's to and, and create dockers to do processing and pass that information over to habitat but i was able to do it anywhere where in home assistant it, it kind of some of the integrations actually spin up a docker you just don't know about it but it's all managed by home assistant and, and integrated that way and it's really nice mm, yeah i recently not recently maybe two years ago retrofitted i have an old garage door opener you know a standard you know with a remote and it's got the switches, you know, the remotes have switches and it's got a little, you can, you can go up on the remote and flip them and then go on your remote control. So there's a setting inside your garage door opener, right? Where you can say, Hey, I want to set these codes. And then you go to the remote itself and set those codes and then it works. It's old school, but I installed a Miros, uh, garage door opener on, I think the M E R O S S. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Miros. Is that right? And that thing has been dynamite. Um, I did set it up to automatically close my garage door after it had been open for 30 minutes. That's not, that's not actually what I really wanted because on the weekends I'd go out, open the garage door, start working outside. Then it would close. And then I was like, Oh, I gotta, then I gotta get my phone out of my pocket. Oftentimes when I'm mowing the lawn, I don't carry the phone. Then I gotta, is my door is, is the door to my car open so I can hit the garage door opener. Right. Eventually for some reason, that 30 minute thing stopped. I think I lost an integration on the phone to the Wi or uh, on the garage door opener to the Wi Fi or something along those lines. And it's actually super happy like it stopped working. <laughs> you know, it's one of those kind of things. And, and because I don't, I didn't really find I was, I really only bought the integration for the automatic closing. I've been known to leave my garage door open at night, you know. Now, it's really easy when I'm done working here. I just walk by the garage door, open the door, look and see if it's still open and close it. But uh, you recently put a new garage door opener in. So talk a little bit about that one. 
Well, yeah, lately um, there's been a lot of like uh, excitement in, in the smart home world because MyQ eventually shut down their API, which basically broke it and blocked it for everybody that was integrating their garage door using MyQ with whatever system, right? So when that happened, people started going to find alternatives, right? And um, one of the most popular alternatives I saw was something called RATGDO, right? And it stands for Rage Against the Garage Door Opener. (laughs) (laughs) I always found that funny, right? (laughs) But that's basically, it came out of the frustration of, my Q getting shut down. Right? That's hilarious. Yeah. Rage against, against the, garage the garage door opener. That's hilarious. <laughs> so um, I threw that in. Uh, I got two of them. I have two garage door openers and one's an old school one. So pretty much the contact, you can like touch them and it will trigger it. And one's the new school one where it's kind of like encoded along the switch. You know, you got to get a little funkier to get yeah. that working. But um, I installed these and a lot of people are loving them. Uh, it's a very easy install. I mean, you pretty much just on top of your garage door opener, you run some wires and plug it into it. And it's basically the sensors go into it and then the, the panel goes into it. And then from that, it goes into the garage door opener and it's, the instructions are very simple and it, it works. It's very popular. It's cheap. Um, I think it worked out to like $45 or something like yep. that. Even. I think I paid about 40 yeah. for mine too, Mira. Yeah. And it's really cheap. Um, I've, I use, you could set it up multiple ways. I'm using the MQTT integration with it, but there's also an ESP home integration with it. Um, uh, the MQTT one is not as stable yet, but people say the ESP home one, if you do it through that, it works beautifully. Uh, it integrates with pretty much everything. Like if you want to use it with whatever hub, you can get it working with whatever hub. Um, it, it's just a nice replacement that just works simple. Uh, I'm like you where I'll go mow the lawn and I want to open and close the garage. Well, with me, I just talk into my watch, you know, tell it to open yeah. the garage. Yeah. And, and Or yeah. I have my earbuds on at the time. So I just signal on the earbuds, open and close the garage. And it does it for me, right? And people always look at me funny. I'm just like, yep, yeah. uh, you know, you have that. I'm proud I could do that because other people ask you, how do you do that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you want to pay me? Does it ask for a code? Huh? Uh, Gavin, does it ask for a code? So the Miros implementation for me will not let me open it unless I have a code. And so um, now on the watch, it was really weird. Like the watch didn't require the code. The, 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 Amazon device required a code to yeah. do. The watch wouldn't, but there were some weird situations where my watch, I'd say open and open and open and open, and it wouldn't. There's like the Wi-Fi. I had to be. I it was weird. I don't know. It never really. I wanted it to work on my watch, but it was weird. Ironically, the farther I got away from my garage door, the easier it would open on my watch. If I was standing right in front of my garage door, it would not open. It's probably it fighting was... on your Wi-Fi. It could yeah. be fighting on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. You know, when you go further away, you're now it switches to you know right. 3G Cellular. or whatever. Yeah, 5G, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, so that's yeah. probably what could have been happening. But yeah. depending on the ecosystem, you may actually get asked for a code. So um, I know yeah. TJ was fighting recently with this um, it, on his home kit. He has it on home kit. I think it was for his locks though, where it asked him for to unlock his phone or something or something with his car. Right. And one way around that, uh, I used to do this in the past is I created another dummy switch 
that then I would trigger that one. And then that one would um, oh, trigger yeah. the garage door opener to open and close. And that's how I got around it um, because it would ask you for a code. If you said open the garage door opener, but if yeah. you said turn on the switch or whatever, you know, it, it doesn't see it as a garage door opener. It won't ask yeah. for the code. So that's how I kind of got around all that. In home assistant, you would do that. So you created a switch for it instead of using the, the yeah. integrated app to get you it done. You do it with the um, uh, Amazon too. Like uh, yeah. if you created yeah. a little device in there, um, I created oh. a little dummy device and then oh. I, I set up a little routine. So if it heard me say, do this, mm. then just flick that switch. Yeah. And then and then your routine was, if this flick switch yeah. turns on, open the garage door opener. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind it. Like that's a nice security feature. Yeah. So that some Yahoo doesn't come by and has an easy way to open the garage door, right? You know, I did. I did like. I mean, I have a. I had a uh, Amazon device in my garage. Yeah, listening, so I could go out there and say, "Turn on the garage light and do whatever you know, do whatever yeah. I wanted." I didn't want someone shouting, you know, through the garage door, "Hey, open the garage door!" So it does require, and now it's broken, so it wouldn't even work anyways. Um. But I, I didn't mind the code bit, um, but it was one of those things like I'd walk up to the garage door, I'd get on my watch, I'd say, I'd open the, the Miros app, I'd say open, nothing, open, yeah. open, open, open. I'd walk to the end of the driveway <laughs> and the thing would open. I'm like, ah, you know, yeah. John, John and said uh, in chat too, he's, uh, he says he's still trying to get home assistant successfully to open and close the garage door when he arrives. Um, he says he spent a couple hours on this so far. Do you think in that area, like with garage doors, like with these devices that are designed to retrofit on an existing dumb device, right? Do you think in the last couple of years they've gotten better so that if you bought one three or four years ago, it might be worth buying a new one or I don't know thoughts on that? Yeah, they have gotten out, like the technology has been moving fast. They've gotten a lot better. Like, again, it comes down to the communication protocol. So like if they were, if you got one many years ago and it was Z-Wave before 500, I can't even remember what was it before 500, a non-plus <laughs> device. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, you know, the, the Z-Wave 800 devices are so much better when it comes to range. When it comes to speed, the bandwidth, you know, like stuff like that. So it's worth doing the upgrade to 800 if you have a really old Z-Wave device. So they're coming along, even with the Wi-Fi radios, the battery life um, on, on wireless devices are have gotten a lot better now because they manage it a lot better. Um, the technology is moving. It's, it's all like little things they're doing under the hood you know, that's getting better over time. You may not see it like in a, in an app or something, but you'll realize you haven't changed your battery for your blinds in so long. Right. And because <laughs> they're, dead. Yeah, they're just well, dead. <laughs> well, either they're dead or they just last a lot longer now. Right. Yeah, because the true, technology, true. it doesn't suck as true. much battery anymore. So yeah. that that's where I think it's getting better. So if you have really old devices, it may be worth looking at replacing them, getting something new, especially if you're replacing the batteries very often. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard. You spent a bunch. Listen, you spent a bunch of money for that three or four years ago, and now to replace it with something better is half or a third of the price. But you're still like, man, I spent so much money on that switch. I'm not going to replace it, right? It's it's one of those things. 
TJ says, uh, he says my van has a cell remote start. That's I have, I have that too on my, an app on my phone so I could start lock and unlock it. What I love about my Subaru app that I have in there, you can even set custom heat and cooling settings. So you can go in and say, no, I want this, you know, on custom setting a or custom setting B depending on just on how cold it is when you get out there. Right. Type thing. Then he says, um, I have, uh, I have uh, brought into home kit through home assistant and I want to control it with my voice, but it makes you unlock the phone before you can unlock. And that's some of these things we run into, right? Where they've, and I think for good reason, where we have some security protocols yeah. put in place, right? On this, where, you know, you just don't, you know, I think about my furnace. I just, I almost want some kind of security protocol on there. So somebody doesn't hack into it and then raise the, you know, the furnace to 9,000 degrees and cook me out of the house. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but things like the echo P do have, um, protections against that. Yeah. Right. So that's the good thing. They have highs and lows. So in some of my automations, I never turn off the thermostat in any of my automations. I just set it to really high or really low. So it doesn't kick in, but I set it to a level like 18 degrees. So if, if someone left the door open and it, it just wouldn't try to heat up a home when the door is left open. Right. But if it got down to like 18 degrees or anywhere lower where, you know, pipes can start getting affected and stuff, it will still kick in to try and keep the house warm at that point. Right. Yeah. So you you got to think about that stuff when you're creating automations too. We, we have our local um, utility is actually encouraging this now, you know, they've got a rebate if you purchase a nest or an Ecobee and they, then of course, you know, I have a device they put on the outside of my house years ago, maybe eight years ago that I give them some control of my air conditioner during the peak times of the summer so that they can kind of run it in their own time, you know, and they say, Hey, we'll only use it 10 times or less. I mean, they, they, and I've actually never noticed to be honest now that they have, now that we have smart thermostats, they're saying, Hey, we'll give you, I don't know, 75 bucks, whatever it is to put a smart thermostat in. And if you do it through one of our vendors, it's a little bit more, which, which I think guarantees it gets set up right. And then they'll control your thermostat that, you know, they'll control your devices that way. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about letting your, your utilities control some of your, you know, your, either your heater or your air conditioner during peak times? I don't like it because it takes away some of the, you know, like customizations that I want to do. Like I want to feel a certain way in my house, but then they say, no, it's peak time. We want it to be this much. Right. And it's like, I don't want to lose that control. But you know, that being said, when you do buy the echo B and they give you the rebate and everything, all they're really doing is they linked an app to that echo B. And if you went into the echo B web interface, you could actually just delete the app. And now you got full control of your echo B again. Oh, is that the way it works? And you still got the rebate. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just telling you that because I know some people that have done it. Right. So you still got the rebate and you get your echo B back, you know, and and it's good for the general masses. I guess they do it for electricity savings for, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah. I'm, good but i noticed in my house when i had that app running my house was getting warm right during the day and because i'm home all the time it's like it's too warm what they consider nice 
it was too warm for me, you know? Yeah. So I yeah. didn't like it at yeah. all. Okay. Yeah. We, I've never, now I may be not home when they're doing those kinds of things. Yeah. Right? I think that's maybe what they're banking on. Um, I didn't think about it during the pandemic. I never, I've never felt, I run as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little, um, I, I don't notice those things as much <laughs> as I used to, you know, kind of deal. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I do go back and forth. It's like with solar. Have you done solar, Gavin? Have you? No, no. Not, you, would, would it be beneficial to you at all in your area? You know, you're farther north, so maybe that wouldn't be as advantageous. But have you looked at it? I did an electrical course, and the teacher kind of talked me out of solar because he, he basically said one thing with solar is, you know, if you ever have to get the roof replaced, you're going to have to call in people to come remove the solar panels, yeah. you know, yeah. replace the yeah. roof, put the solar panels back on. And in our areas, the way he explained it to me is we don't actually bank the power. We give the power back to the city and then to the grid. They, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. and they pay us a little bit off our bill yeah. or something like that. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah. the return on investment for us was like almost 10 years for solar. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, it's not really worth it. Yeah. That's, that's exactly where we've been here in Nebraska is by the time you make the investment, the payoff is a 10 year, eight to 10 year payoff. Yeah. And then those solar panels aren't effective anymore. And now, in the last couple of years, solar's gotten a lot better. So that that equation may have changed. If you can get a solar panel the last 15 or 20 years, you might have a good shot at it. Or because utilities are so cheap in Nebraska, like we're one of the cheapest in the country. Or if your utilities are super expensive, right? If you're paying 22 or 25 or 30 cents a kilowatt, we pay 12. We used to pay 10, which yeah. is ridiculous like you're like uh i mean there's a, there's only a few other spots in the country where it's that cheap so and then i remember my neighbor who works for our utility company said oh they're gonna raise the rates and i was like to what they're like 12 and i was like are you kidding me like listen i talk to people all around the country and that's that's still super cheap right yeah. So I don't, by the way, let me say this. If you're watching the, or if you're listening to the audio of this podcast after the fact, you might want to head out to the YouTube version of this, the live YouTube version of it. Um, I think put in uh, the average guy or the average guy TV on YouTube, because there's a lot of good stuff going on in the chat right now. I can't They're getting super technical <laughs> right at this point. And uh, you might want to just catch that replay in chat that's there. But so every time I think about, uh, solar, I that's I kind of come like it's a break even uh, for me from that standpoint. So, but and I haven't I haven't experienced any problem. We've got that when we had the new air conditioner put in the 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 uh, the HVAC guy said you're going to have to call OPPD our inter, our utility company. Yeah, he's like I don't hook those back up. <laughs> they, oh, they've got to come hook call. those up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like, I I don't I don't want to be responsible for that. They have to come back. So I called them and they were they came back. The, you know, they guarantee some short, you know, 15 times a year, 10 times a year will, you know, in the in the most critical times when it, you know, when it's super hot, I've never noticed any difference. Yeah. So so I you know, I don't know. Um I, I think I'm okay with it for now, but you know, you you, you never really know. Um, you listen, you, uh, I think the last time we talked, you were doing some, 
um, and maybe it's too early to talk about this because it's been winter, but you were, you, you did some moisture or some, some lawn, uh, moisture, temp, you know, sensing, sensing devices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that too, is it too early to talk about that at this point? Uh, I haven't put them out yet for this year. Okay. The ground's okay. still yeah, yeah. pretty frozen. At well, this it's been point, pretty but warm. Have you I been? I know, tempted? but you know, we still have that frost line. So if I try and put the, my lawn thermometer in, it's kind of hard still, but, um, Last year, yeah, it was great. Saved me a lot of money in watering. The grass was looking awesome. Really? You know, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. You feel it's worth it to, to go through all it, that? You know what? The the work I did, um, because, okay, so I had the ratio. And the ratio is just, it doesn't know what the differences in your zones. You, you, you program it, but it doesn't really know exactly what's going on in every zone. So it kind of just blanket waters the whole lawn, right? Um, and... and I did that for a while and I always felt like, oh man, two and a half hours this thing wants to run for, you know, like it always felt so long. So I got all the sensors, I put sensors in each zone and I started monitoring how much moisture and I found the range I wanted the moisture to be at. I found, you know, um, how fast, you know, how much watering was needed to bring the moisture up to that much, you know, how fast it, it, it disappeared. And over the summer, I tweaked it a bit, and what happened was I ended up saving a lot of money because I found out there were zones that were actually holding the moisture really well, oh, wow. so I didn't have to water them, and that grass grew great. And then there were zones that really were just drying out faster, I guess, where it was, how it ran out, and I would just water those a bit more, and the grass came out a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I it even found one of my broken, because um, I have an irrigation system, it yeah. found one of the broken heads because it was after watering, it said, Hey, this zone's still dry. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, something's up. And I went out there and the head was sticking. <laughs> so I fixed the head and everything. And I was like, there you go. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, so if that's a project you're looking at doing, I highly recommend it. You know, m- the more information you have on your lawn, the more you can act on it. Yeah. Yeah. L- l- last time we chatted, I almost bought some of those and I was like, ah, you have to have the time to play with it too, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and maybe yeah. this spring, this spring I will. The front lawn is Zoysa, and it just does so well here in Nebraska. Zoysa grass, besides it getting brown in the winter, in the spring it comes back, you mow it down or burn it down, and um, and it does so well. The back, I've actually taken away so much grass that, you know, we built a big fire pit, and I'm kind of like, well, actually, I think I'm going to try this year not worrying about it and see, what, see, where, <laughs> see where it goes. One, one of the, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, totally a totally non tech related item, but one that was funny. So we had, we had one week here this year and you guys probably did too, where it got super cold. Like it came in, we had negative, it was like negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Now Celsius and Fahrenheit meet at negative 40. I know that for sure. That's where those two meet. We were negative 20, so it was definitely in the negative Celsius, right? Yeah. Well, we were headed. That's my mom, my mother-in-law passed away, and we were headed down to Kansas City that week. I think I had to cancel the show for it. But we were headed down to Kentucky that Sunday. Saturday night, my kids came over. They were going to drive down with us. We rented this minivan. And one of my sons wanted to smoke a cigar out in the shed, and he's like, but he didn't tell me. He's like, hey, I want to go clear the... I'm going to go outside and clear some snow for you. He didn't say that exactly. right. So he cleared this path from my deck to the shed, which is across the grass. And he cleared this path and it was great. We enjoyed a cigar and then you know we did the thing. This spring when all the snow melted, 
the grass is all green that was protected from the snow. <laughs> but the, the path, path, the path, dead, just dead. Like it, it'll come back. It'll be just fine. Yeah. But it's funny how the snow had insulated the grass from from that extreme cold temperature, and uh, and it had done pretty well. Hey, one one last thing I want to chat with you about before we wrap this up. Um, and this is a subject I haven't really. I I'm not a big remote like TV remote guy, but it seemed like for the longest time, every harmony was in the space. Right. And everybody's trying to figure out like, how do we get the TV room? Are we still trying to figure that thing out? I mean, are there still people trying to, doesn't, doesn't the remotes you get with your, are we, are we, are we beyond that? Or is there still a space for really smart remote controls for your TV? I think there's still a space for it. Like right now, like I've been looking out and keeping an eye out for anything that may I call a harmony killer, right? And when I say a harmony killer, I'm I'm talking about not just firing off IR signals, but you know, being able to integrate the hub with you know whatever smart home uh, hub you have and 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 create automations and stuff off of it. And there's not many out there. Yeah, <laughs> he knows about my my Harmony rants, right? Because I'm just I'm I'm a big Harmony fan. I've about five of them, and I bought a backup, right? So I'm a big Harmony fan. Um, but you know, on the pro side, I get a little jealous because I see some of the hub the remotes they have, and they're nice. But there's a school of thought here that people want simplified remotes now. They're happy with their Apple TV remote. Yeah. Right. And I understand that because, you know, the less buttons, the less confusion from them, you know, and they could do the 50 clicks. That would drive me nuts. I need a guide button to bring up my guide, you know, like there's certain <laughs> buttons I need on my remote. Right. And the five button remotes I can't work with. So I don't think we're there yet. There's some pretty looking remotes out there, but when it comes to automation integration, Harmony to me is still like, it's still one of, for the price point too, it's still one of the top ones out there, right? Um, And I just know them pretty well. Like I know how to program it. I know how to, you know, integrate it. I I work with them for years. So I know like, all my TVs work the exact same way. And that's, you know, the wife, she, no matter what TV she goes to, it's the buttons work the same way. It does the same thing. Um, I even have the red button. You hold it down. It brings up my outdoor camera. It's on the screen, <laughs> you know, all sorts of stuff like that. So, that's yeah, I, I can talk about remotes, but Harmony to me is still my. I, I just I don't see that still being a thing. That's hilarious. You know? Yeah, I think some like I said, I think people have gotten to the point where they're just like, um. I like the simplified remote. And I think also there, there's um, CEC. So you could use your TV remote and it'll actually send the commands to your other devices, right? In the past, I know that was really awful. Like I, the recommendation was always just to turn that off, right? But I think now it looks like it's gotten a lot better. So you can get your TV remote and that will actually control maybe your Apple TV and stuff like that through CEC. So I think people are settling on, on that too, right? Um, I'm just a remote power user yeah i need all yeah. the buttons you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> if that's they add another button i'll find a use for it right that's like, hilarious yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah what's what's interesting is i have become the fire tv like in that remote is the ultimate in simplification right yes a little circle couple buttons I'm, I'm seven maybe eight i don't know i, I never counted them i have to count them 
uh, behind the studio here, I actually uh, we put our I put my treadmill there, and then I got my TV that I use when I'm on the treadmill. I'll stick the TV out. There's a another um, setting or another uh, oh, what would you call it? By connection, you know, uh, I can where I can put the TV. I can hook the TV on it. Yeah, that uses the same one inside as it is outside, so I can just unplug the TV, <laughs> take it outside. Because you don't want to leave it out there, right? And uh, the Fire Remote, for me, uh, is good enough. I mean, yeah. it just turn it on, flip through the options and kind of thing. I haven't thought about a non-remote remote. And I don't even use the TV remote that came with it, right? It turns itself, it, the, the Fire TV remote turns the thing on. Does it? Well, now, okay, that okay, it's not fair. The TV I have is fire enabled, right? So it it came with a fire remote with the power button on it, right? It has the fire OS. Would you call it that? Is that what you call it? Uh, the, I think oh, so fire you, TV OS or something. Yeah, fire like TV that. OS, whatever. And it yeah. comes it comes with it, right? So it's not fair, probably, to say I, I only have one remote, but I've. You're happy with that, yeah? It works for yeah. me. Get, I can get to Roku YouTube. Is a, the Roku is the same way. Yeah. You get a Roku yeah. TV. You get a, a simple Roku remote, and you're using basically their interface on yeah. the TV, right? Where yeah. I, I think when you get more complicated TV setups, when you start looking at AV systems and stuff like that, it gets a little bit more complicated, right? Um, and that's where the remotes come into. Uh, you know, you need more buttons. Right. Uh, all right, yeah, like when you were like in the old media center days, right? When you needed, or did you? Did you? Did you really need all those buttons? I guess is what I'm saying. I feel like I use more buttons today than I did back then. <laughs> like, I, I, like when people come see my TV setup and they're like, "Oh man, I want that," and I'm like, "No, you can't have this," you know, because <laughs> first of all, we can't buy you a Harmony remote. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "How do I can I see all my cameras on my TV like that?" And I'm like, "Oh man, you can't. No, I can't give Ooh. you a remote." You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. here's an Apple TV. You know, be happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Greg out in chat says he's left his TV outside in, in a partially covered space for years and it's fine. Yeah. Um, I said, where, where do you live my friend? And then he says, Springfield. Uh, no, wait a minute. Uh, Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm afraid to kind of leave my TVs here in Nebraska. Springfield's very similar to where, to where we are here. I'm afraid to leave those TVs outside from, you know, it gets negative twenty here. I don't know if I'd want my TV. I don't know. What do you think a a a a, a modern TV outside when it's negative twenty? Don't you worry about that? Uh, I, I, when it's that cold, yeah, I would worry yeah. about it. In my area, I wouldn't leave a TV out. It probably last the season. It just wouldn't be out there when I went the next morning due to theft. You know, like <laughs> oh, I, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> I think my TVs would get, in my area would get stolen before you know anything. <laughs> Right, oh, and the funny part is, is I'll probably see the TV powered on in the neighbor's yard at some point too. You know, <laughs> you'd have the remote for it. You, yeah, yeah. You, you could tell, yeah. turn it on and off, and your neighbor would be like, yeah, "What bro. the? Yeah." What Every time the? he turns it on, he's gonna be like, "This TV doesn't work," and then he re- returns it. You know. Like, <laughs> Greg makes a good point. He says it's a sixty-five inch TV that I use. Uh, to live in my house, but it w- then he replaced it. That's a good, yeah. 
that's a good outside TV, right? One that you maybe you you Don't replace it with about. something yeah. bigger, and then he said, "I figured a replacement would cost me two fifty, maybe less." Yeah. Like you can get a really nice TV for two hundred bucks at this point. It's crazy, really. What, how Dude, how cheap? Up here, not that cheap. <laughs> oh no, here at Walmart, especially uh, during Super Bowl time. Oh, you know, okay. so like last month, they, you know, they're everybody's buying new TVs like crazy. And, uh, and so you get, you get, I mean, you get a nice TV for 200 bucks and not, you know, not giant, but you can get a, a fairly decent, uh, fairly decent TV for that. So yeah, I've been a little, I, well, I keep it downstairs cause I want to use it on my treadmill and I'm never on my treadmill and out on my deck at the same time. So if I, it's, it's one of those nice dual purpose, like, Hey, if I'm going to be out on the deck for a while, I'll just come down here, unplug it, lift it off, take it out. I've got a, you know, I've got a holder for it out there. A mount, slide it on, plug it in. There's a plug right by it. Yeah. And just take the remote. And it works great. It's 32-inch, 1080p. Works great outside. So Yeah, you could probably um, install Plex or something on it if you want to stream from inside the house or... Channels is what we use. Our so channels, channels, yep. channels has an app, and so if I wanted to watch regular TV, I could. We we got channels on it. Used to YouTube, Perfect. it works great. I don't, yep. yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any problems with it. And that little remote is awesome. <laughs> like so, I don't know. You guys talk about Harmony remotes, and I'm kind of like, isn't that a little much? You it depends on what you want because, like, yeah. my mom's TV. When my mom, I gave her Harmony remotes because she likes to change channels by number. Like, she memorizes the numbers of her favorite channels. She doesn't know what the station is, but she knows at this time go to sixteen for General Hospital. You know, and she yeah, yeah, yeah show right. Yeah. So if her remotes didn't have the numbers on it, uh, she'd be pretty upset. You know, and I tried tr- training her for the the talk to it, but it's just difficult you know like you're supposed to tap the button but she'll hold it and then let go and then by the time she <laughs> talks it's already given up listening so i was just like yeah here's harmony remote just you know like oh, that's hilarious yeah seniors in technology i hope i'm not like that <laughs> no, we're gonna be though we're gonna I know, be i know It'll we're be gonna VR be or way. something you know <laughs> i'm 55 now you know I'm, I'm always wondering what 20 years from now am i gonna be the old man who <laughs> tells my kids like i don't understand any of this tech you know tiktok's dumb you know i'm already exactly you know what will they have yeah what will they have tj says uh most of the time they're fine as long as they're not in direct weather the spot i tj the spot i put it in would be in direct weather unfortunately so he said we installed uh four 65 inch tvs in a particularly covered in a partially covered patio four years ago or so and they still work yeah that's yeah I, I you know what that's probably i'll be honest i um uh you know i turned my shed into a cigar smoke shack yeah. and i i was a little i had some i had a monitor out there you know and lcd monitor and i was like with the extreme temperatures i don't know if i want it, to it is liquid right and so i was like ah so i pulled them in for the winter 
uh, TJ maybe in that case they would. He does. He does fine. a lot of installs of TVs. You know, I'm yeah. more shocked that his TV's still hanging after four years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, TJ. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Great. See, this is the kind of stuff you guys never. No, hear I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. I like the. I like the. Uh, I like the shade being thrown. <laughs> Greg says mine is behind the bar, and uh, yeah, and actually mine is covered, but I wouldn't. I. And I wouldn't be afraid of it getting stolen, I think. I would cover it if I left it out there. But it is really easy, as light as these TVs are, like unplug it and pull it off. Like I have the same stand down here that I have outside. So they just, yeah, you know, you just lift it up. And it's one of those, I don't know, 10 millimeter or whatever, maybe um, Visa mounts. Yeah. That, yeah. right. And they just slide on and slide off. And that kind of, that kind of works for me. Okay, one more thing, Gavin, right. before I let you go. You throw this in the show notes. Seriously, do we need to have our dryers on on home automation? Do I my dryer when it's done goes meh, 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 lets me know I hear it throughout the house. Do I really need a notification on my watch or whatever that the dryer's done? Are you are you thinking about that? Um, sometimes we do automations, not because it's practical, but because, <laughs> you know, we want it. I don't care. It's like, I want my dryer to notify me, even though I'm sitting next to this thing, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's but, literally, it's literally, I could t- almost touch it where I'm sitting right now. So exactly. I, I hear it all the time, but yeah. I, but we get this question actually comes up a lot. A lot of people ping me about this. You know, they're, they're like, how can I automate my dryer so that it notifies me when it's done? And I think one of the popular things people do is they, they like to get the little vibration sensors, yeah. right? And, and put it on there. So when the dryer's shaking, you know, whatever. But I'm not a fan of that for multiple reasons. One, it could be triggered um, by other means, like people are getting false triggers or, it, 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 you know, it takes a while for it to, based on your automation, to notify you that it's done, right? And also the battery life on them because it's shaking now through the whole dryer cycle, right? It's constantly sending signal that, hey, I'm vibrating, I'm vibrating, I'm vibrating, right? That it, the batteries, I had this set up and the battery was gone after like a couple months, yeah. right? Um, and we didn't even do that much laundry. So I don't really recommend those. What I have set up is a current sensing switch. And basically, it's just a little like, I don't even know how to explain it, like a ring that goes around one of the legs of the power, and when it senses a current, it kind of turns on or off of the switch. Like, and I hook it up. It's just, um, I hook it up to a, a Z-Wave uh, contact sensor that allows external inputs and Ecolink, uh, Ecolink right? Um, I think that's the brand name, but it allows external contacts. So basically when it goes, it detects energy or power, it will just close the, open the contact on the switch. And when the power is gone, it closes the contact. And that has been the most reliable thing for me ever. Like, so just to know it's on? Just basically? to know it's on and off. Okay. Yes. Okay. And, and okay. this one, again, had no practical reason behind it because we could hear it all. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, it was, but I did it more for research purposes, I guess you could say. Because when people ask me, I'm like, this is what works the best for me. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I've tried other things, but this one you know like when they say vibration sensor i'm always like no no don't do the vibration sensor thing yeah it's easy but this one's so great 
Well, in a dryer, some of the some of the better dryers, some of the newer dryers, you know, they know that they sense the humidity. Yeah. And so they know in the dryer, like the the real danger in a dryer is the fire that can be created in the output, right? In the in the vent for it. Otherwise, well, and if they if they're running and running and running and running and not drying, but most of them have some kind of cutoff that, you know, they'll eventually just quit. And then you can go in there and you're like, oh, it's still, it, my clothes are still wet. What's going on, right? Well, yeah, the, the moisture's not getting, you know, not leaving. Or you're dangerously close to a fire starting, right? I mean, yeah. that, man, if you've ever taken lint and set it on fire, oh, that's an exciting thing, right? So I'd love, as I looked at this, I'd love to have a sensor, almost a sensor at the output of the dryer, you know, of the, of the, of the air going out that is some kind of temperature sensor that says if it gets above, you know, 400 degrees, maybe I, I'd yeah. have to look into that to see what it is. Alert me because my, my dryer's about to burn up, right? And that kind of deal. Or I'm thinking... It would be kind of, well, would it be? I'm just thinking about I've this. I've heard of maybe. people use temperature sensors to sense it on and off, too, because when yeah. it's on, it's going to shoot out yeah. some heat, right? So they put it near yeah. the exhaust or whatever, um, and they've done that, too. I mean, that's another simple, but it's just, it takes <laughs> a while before it registers on, and it's going to take a while before yeah. it registers off. You got to keep that yeah. in mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, well, I mean, you think about the washer and the dryer, there's potential for real damage for both yeah. of those. Yeah. Uh, I, water. I caught, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I caught my washer leaking once, right? And my sensor, mm -hmm. I have a water sensor mm -hmm. right by my washer and it notified me. And, you know, I've, first time you get this notification, you're like, is this real or is it, you know, like a bug or something? But then I went in there and there was a pool of water and I was able to yeah. catch it. So that was a water sensor that you yeah, used for? next yeah. to my dry. I just put it in the area of my washing machine, just next to the yeah. washing machine. You ever? Yeah. yeah. Would you? Would you put? You know, some people put their hot water heaters in a pan. I did. Right. And so then you would put the sensor in the pan, right? Just in case for that. Um, would you? Would you think about doing that for a washer? There, there are washers, yes. Um, and it, it depends, though. If you have like a drain by your washer. <laughs> You can like like with my water heater, I put it in a pan because then you can force the water if it leaks down into the drain that's sitting right next to it instead yeah. of it just going all over the basement, right? So that's kind of why I did it down there. And the, with the washing machine, I would do the same thing if I could, but I don't have a drain by it, so yeah. it yeah. makes sense because yeah. if it's gonna leak, it's gonna leak way more water than any pan can hold. Right, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <You know? true. laughs> yeah. well, but just thinking about collecting if you have a pan you'll get that water sensor much faster than you would that's if true. you did if you didn't that's have true. a pan just kind of thinking about that this is a hilarious conversation so uh tony says john probably uses his dryer outlet to charge his <laughs> tesla john says i could if needed i have the adapter yeah. then john says a couple of years ago i took my dryer apart and the lint was packed in that area beyond the filter it's Listen, your dryer is disgusting. Yeah. If you have ever, not, not really, it's just lint. But if you've never really got in there and cleaned your dryer out, they make a special vacuum attachment where you can, you can put that in the lint. You think that filter is getting it? You are totally wrong. Like, 
I we, we have a new dryer. I haven't taken it apart in a while. We had an old dryer. I took that thing apart every two years because it was breaking all the time, and I clean all that stuff out. It's disgusting what's yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. And then Tony says, I was just checking to see if you were still here. <laughs> <laughs> these guys are out for each other right? that is awesome <laughs> listen t- tonight and uh tonight greg and and tj and greg thanks for joining us tonight i know you guys are here because gavin's here but um i appreciate you guys that is if you, if you want if you want to clean a disgusting filter and you, i only found out about this recently but your dishwasher filter oh yeah i yeah. only found out about that yeah. recently we've had this dishwasher for probably eight years now I know. so it, yeah. it was pretty bad <laughs> yeah and that's another area nobody talks about with home automation is your dishwasher right i mean have you mm. do you know of any kind of things that come along with that i know people that have set up like contact sensors so when it's opened or closed or something after you turned it on you could do the same thing as you do with your dryer though if you want to put a current sensing switch around it to detect when it's running and when it's done you can um a lot of these these companies are building in smarts to their devices now um it's just that their apps or their cloud services really are bad yeah that's the only problem right but you can automate almost anything if you really want to it's just what you want to do john says i have a moen flow system sensors by washing machine in the water heater pan automatically shuts off the water when it's triggered and i think that's looking for flow right unusual flow and some of those kinds of things um and then i had one of those too yeah not a bad thing to have right yeah um uh, tony says uh, let's not forget that in the last podcast i mentioned how gavin was right so he's <laughs> i hear that he's a lot, kissing <laughs> he's kissing ass at this point and uh and justin reminds us that washing machines have filters too you see i learned that now today i've never I've, i don't want to check Ooh, that one. i don't oh. i don't yeah i i did uh, i i did just today did we've been hearing though i wonder if it's there we, it probably is <laughs> We change, we have a filter in our fridge and I finally just set that up on an Amazon automatic every three months or six months, I think, so that it would remind me to change that thing. And it just came today. So I've got to, I've got to change that. And, uh, and then Tony says, and how much, uh, we use too much detergent and shouldn't use fabric softener. That would be, you know, that'd be a nice automation to, to sense the, softness of the, the clothes <laughs> that gets like, a little more complicated <laughs> hey you're using too much fabric softener let's be clear if you're listening to this show you don't even know how your washer or dryer work <laughs> so let's be, let's be really clear about that you have no idea um, um so and you know there's those and also we think about those um and i forget the name of it but that orange box that you can put on your inner you know on your the inlet for your energy for your electricity that current is it called current no but it it attempts to you put these clamps around the cables that come oh, in sense sense that's what it is yes where then it attempts to kind of figure out i tell you what with ai that may be a thing that's getting better as as time progresses of knowing like what's taking a lot that might be one of those things where it starts learning like hey you're your your dishwasher is taking a lot of energy. You and might want to consider replacing yeah, it, right? That's where I'm hoping this goes soon, right? Like this is what I want to see with AI um, is it to monitor your house. Get it, it's going to get all the data, 
And I wanted to analyze that data and say, hey, you're using yeah. a lot of energy in this house. It's coming from this. We should maybe look into that. Or, you know, yeah. it's about to rain. You have windows open. You should maybe close them, you know? Like, I want the AI to do that. Yeah. Not control anything, but just let me know, right? Yeah. Um, automatically. I could do that with automations and stuff. I don't want to set it up. AI will know just what to do. Yeah. That's the yeah. Future. Well, and think about, I mean, we were just talking about the weather changing from really nice to really cold and how sweet would it be if the house began to adapt automatically? I already started working on that. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. It's expensive yeah. though, but I have like one side of my house, the blinds and stuff are all automated. Right. So now right. when the sun comes up in the morning, I can have it open slightly as the day goes along to keep the rooms cooler. And one of them's my office. So that's the plan for this year. Yeah. Right. Well, but in the so winter, you'd want them to open earlier so that you yep. could get the right. So they would have seasonal yep. and then and then maybe even if you had sensors in the rooms, they could start learning, okay, if I open up this much, it it has this effect. And so the next time I know if the outside conditions are this and we're expecting that only open this much, right? That's the future of AI. That's why I'm hoping AI, AI takes us. And then it murders us in our sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that sets everything to maximum and burns us in the house. Yeah. It realizes we're the weak link. <laughs> yeah. And it, we're it's inefficient. Like, hey, you know what? I would be much happier if you weren't ever in the house. And <laughs> <Yeah>. it just <laughs> it just locks us out. <laughs> well, Gavin, thanks for coming. It's always great to spend time with you, man. Thanks for thanks for jumping oh, in here. I fun, hope yeah. this has been helpful for somebody, but it it is certainly the most chat we've had in a while. So so Justin and Tony and uh, Greg, TJ, uh, John, coming out here. Let's see who else I see. Brian was out here a little bit earlier, and uh, Ken jumping in in the chat room. Tony, if I didn't mention your name yet, thanks for coming out and being a part of this tonight. Super fun. It was a fun evening to just hang out. Lots of laughing. And uh, what's coming up? Anything coming up on Home Tech? fm that you guys want to talk about uh seth has been traveling right now so he's i'm not even sure what he's doing like, he, nothing he's not yeah, on my show so apparently he's doing like, he's, he checks in with us every now and then so we kind of miss this week but we have there's a there's you know what surprisingly every week we we, we look at the news and we're like uh, is there anything to talk about this week but then we have like an hour-long podcast or an yeah, hour and a half yeah. long podcast yeah and it, it's shocking because we actually do a lot of projects ourselves yeah. We talk about yeah. them, like, you know, like I could go into Unraid, you know, and the changes I've made in my house about that, you know, or, you know, the my Z-Wave floodlight conversion project I've been working on, you know, we've right. been doing, right. we all have our little projects. TJ's gotten some new products he's going to be um, reviewing, you know, so like, it's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. Head out there, uh, head out there, hometech.fm, and uh, make sure you're subscribed to it as as a podcast way nerdier than this uh than our time here but just as fun but it's super fun you guys yeah. do a nice job you guys do and we'll have to get seth on the podcast so we can have i can have said i have all three of you from home tech <laughs> on there as well gavin can you hang out for just a second here of and course if you guys got any questions for gavin we'll do a short post show throw them in the chat right now we'll talk about that them here after the recording stops but a couple of reminders on the way out. If uh, if you want to join us in our Discord, do you guys have a for home tech? Do you guys have a, like a Discord or a, what do you guys do? 
for that. We have we have a Slack channel for all our Slack. Patreons. Okay. Um, so okay. as soon as as soon as you pledge whatever, it's I think it's all automated. And it just you just put you put you in put the you Slack. In we okay. also have a Mastodon server we host. Oh, uh, people are still doing social. Okay. Oh, it, you know what? I love my Mastodon. Um, okay. I have so much interaction on Mastodon when I post something, much more than Twitter. I think I get lost in Twitter. Like anything I post on Twitter, I think just gets lost by the algorithms. But yeah. Mastodon, I can ask a 3D printer question, and I got a lot of replies. From really knowledgeable people. Okay. So I'm really liking it. Yeah, it's that's one place I never I never moved to. I mean, I'm on everything else, but but the I mean interaction I'm just really good. Like, okay, I like it. All right. Well, I'm not going to go there. No, <laughs> but <laughs> but you you keep answering questions or you keep getting information out there. If you want to join our, we, we do discord. So head out to the average guy.tv slash discord. You can leave me a message. If you got a question for the show or whatever, homegadgetgeeks.com. Shoot me an email at Jim at the average guy.tv when you leave that message. So I make sure I pick it up the next week. And then a reminder, the average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove partners, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know, and you trust, and you know, that's Christian. You can check it out today maplegrovepartners.com i think he still has some plans as cheap as 10 bucks a month so if you need hosting he will get that done for you I want to thank you for joining us tonight for everybody who came out in the chat room uh really appreciate it it was a fun night to kind of hang out laugh we laughed a lot tonight and uh and that's always a ton of fun if you are listening live stay around for a smidgen of the post show with that we'll say goodbye everybody gavin thanks man that, oh, was a, yeah. that was a ton how long of fun. was that that was like you see like an hour and a half almost oh know, yeah like, hour and more. 20 yeah hour and 20 because we we goofed around a little bit in the beginning uh so tony thanks for that john says always great to hang out and uh gavin check in, check yeah. in there as well um have you so greg <laughs> says have you tried have you tried using a magic eraser on your tv yet like it's have you heard this story yet no no oh man so tj found out recently that you have you seen um the frame tvs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right well aaron has been talking about that's samsung right Um, he found out recently that it's actually recommended by samsung support that if you want to get smudges off the frame tv to use the magic eraser oh and we, none of us believed it at first. <laughs> none of us. We were like, no, no, no. Why? That's just going to destroy the TV. Well, TJ, in the name of science, has a frame TV and oh. decided to, he, it was kind of funny because he went to the store <laughs> to actually buy one and he had to figure out which one he wanted. Like watching the whole process was actually yep. funny. And then yep. he yep. came yep. home and he tried it and it worked. And like, we could not believe it. And that was the first time any of us heard about that. Um, I'm just afraid to say this as a recommendation because yeah. you would say use it on the frame TV, but people would hear use it on every TV. On a TV. Are you afraid yeah. they would scratch it? What What are you afraid of? It would scratch the TV. It's yeah. not meant for it. This is only supposed to be for the frame TV. I okay. wouldn't use this on okay. a regular TV because it's a okay. different screen on the frame TVs, but we didn't believe it. And it, yeah. TJ, how, a bit, how big of a frame TV did you buy? What did you buy? Just throw that in the chat room. So you know. That's an even funnier story. And how much was it? <laughs> he inherited it. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. All right. How big is it? Yeah. Um, he says, everyone I tell about this. <laughs> yeah. They think he's lying. Like, he's like, yeah, just use a magic eraser on your TV, your frame TV. And they're like, you're whatever. 
Oh, <laughs> Can I talk to your is... lead tech, please? Oh, <laughs> uh, he says the the matte screen makes a difference, though. Uh, do not use it yeah. on a regular screen TV. So yes. let's be clear. He did purchase a sixty, or he did inherit a sixty-five inch. Uh, and he did say he bought it because uh, I damaged it from a, a client. <laughs> you see, the story keeps getting better. Hilarious. Yeah. Oh, so we have great. some good times with it. That is so <laughs> great. Has an exciting life. Oh, bust out. You missed you missed most of the good show, but we recorded it for you. So welcome if you made it. We we have laughed a lot tonight. This has been a fun show to to do. Magic Eraser. Wow. Yeah. On the frame TV only. You always have to say that together. Because, and is that because know, of the is that the because screen. of the, the the so it's a different kind of glass yeah. that they have on there? Is yeah. that yeah? And yeah. DJ, you know, he took one for the TV, he tried it, and he swears by it now, <laughs> but just make sure it's only on that TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Greg, you got to come out more often, and then Bust Out says thanks for recording it specifically. Yeah, we yeah. had you in mind, Bust Out, when we were thinking about uh, uh, accidentally, of course. Yeah, that's well, Magic Eraser does. That's that's an old. My wife used to do house cleaning, and that's an old magic. Like when I was in the military, and you were trying to clear your housing, man. Yeah, Magic Eraser could the do some. Other stuff. one that's shocking me is the Scrub Daddy, like. I, I wasn't a believer what? of that. Like, this is weird, right? Well, not for TVs, but. <laughs> I've never heard of Scrub Daddy. They were on Dragon's Den or something like that at one point. Now they're like a $100 million company. But um, we really? were cleaning out the oven the other day. And um, no matter what we tried, it wasn't working. So the wife went out and she looked it up and she said, someone recommended getting a Scrub Daddy. So she went out and got a Scrub Daddy and then she you know it came with a little paste and we started manually doing the the oven door and it was do it was working i was i was in shock right so you know about 20 minutes of that and our arm was hurting so i went on um <laughs> <laughs> it gets better i went on printables.com and, and i downloaded a scrub daddy 3d <laughs> printable model for my drill <laughs> and you put the scrub daddy in it and then you put the drill in onto the drill and we sat there with the drill and it, it worked be- perfectly so that's now sitting in the bathroom the attachment for the drill and the the, the oven's clean so. oh, that's hilarious oh my god so scrub daddy the shark tank breakout brand that makes cleaning much more fun it worked in the, the, wow. the oven. Nothing else was working for us. We tried magic erasers. We tried everything in there. And the scrub daddy was the only one that actually worked. Cleaning stone, maybe. Uh, Bust Out says a magic eraser will take the walls off the walls. <laughs> yeah. Magic magic eraser will take paint off the walls. It's known to do that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Greg says, my friend's wife used it on the stove dial. So now they have to guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's magic <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. you guys are killing me tonight oh my i remember those i don't two. know yeah. i don't know if i've ever cried during the home gadget geeks but you guys are bringing me to tears oh i like God. that one though we have to guess how hot the oven is now you know what's perfect for that greg get the meter <laughs> throw a meter in there <laughs> now you'll know how hot the oven is all the time 
<laughs> oh my god! Uh, just a meter that's that's yeah, uh, that's inside your oven, <laughs> right? It's just permanently in there, like yeah. like uh, magnetic, magnetically attached to the side of the. Yeah. Oh my god, that is. Um, yeah. the, the uh, Greg Greg says funny. his apologies. I'm experimenting with new cocktails over here. Uh, you're doing pretty well, Greg. You, Greg, you should join us Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Central. <laughs> you come back and join us, uh, and, and then you make sure you use Jim's link to get the meter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that bust that. I don't think that actually works anymore. I think I took that one down. I love the meter though. That's been a great. That has just been a great one. I think I convinced TJ to get that too. Like after yeah. I praised it, I think he went and bought one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The thermal works. The any of those though. The 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 thermometers have gotten really good. Like yeah. this is an area that space has gotten extremely good. I tell you what's obnoxious right now is he's freaking no smoke. Uh, you know the solo stove whole thing like oh yeah everybody has a solo stove and i swear to god okay i pimped these for a while because i thought solo stoves were great and they are like they're fantastic we a neighbor of mine got a a dura flame or duracell or one of those off-brand ones they work great but i swear to god solo comes up with a new product every week now they're like buy this new deflector that we have on there and they're like you know buy this new one that'll heat the hubble space telescope and you're like what 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 you know it's uh it's so it is these these uh solo stoves these outdoor smokeless stoves they've gotten out of hand they're just like solo yeah Yeah, and then uh, Tony says he's got a he's got the solo stove pizza oven. Yeah, they're making everything. They're like, hey, here's a solo stove car and a solo stove deck, and you know, you're like, okay, settle down, solo stove. You got a. They've got you know like 18 different sizes. They've got one now you can put on your uh, like on the table on your deck so that you can cook just the marshmallows, kind of thing. Well, they have the yeah. indoor one now too, you know, bring oh. fire indoors. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, Greg says, I wish I could get the thermal works multi probe sensor to, to get my smoker to work with my home assistant. I did the, the meter. I got connected through the home assistant and, and I can get it's the, Bluetooth. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I can, I think, yeah, I think I have it. I want the main connection for, for the meter to be through um through a home assistant and then through that it'll broadcast it out to my phones or my tablets or whatever yeah. whenever yeah. We're, whenever we're doing that so um yeah it's just like solo solo's gotten so many i do not know in there god do not listen do not sign up for their text messages <laughs> don't do it you will get uh, i literally get a text message from them every day of some kind of deal from them. Yeah. yeah. My Ember Cup emails me pretty much every Yeah. yeah. Now something. I've been gotten a lot from Ember. Oh, I um, have been really a lot. Yeah. Okay. Ember. It's like every morning I wake up to a new Ember email. You know, uh, that and SwitchBot. SwitchBot would text me, email me, call me, you know, like everything mm-hmm. they can do to get a hold of me. It, uh, it gets annoying. Yeah, I've I've signed up. There's a couple of whiskey sites or a couple liquor, you know, uh, stores, online liquor stores. 
that I signed up for their 10% coupon or whatever. And I shouldn't have. And now I'm like, we've got this on sale. We got that on sale. We got this on sale every day. And so, you know, Greg, I, I don't know. My goal wasn't to sell you on the solo stove. I'm just saying, don't <laughs> do not sign up for their. Listen, email. I have a link open now too for a solo stove. I, the first time I do you know, not I really thought about it. Do not sign up for, do not give them her phone number. They will absolutely, I, I get a deal a day and they're all the same eventually. Right. Just, you just know you shouldn't ever pay full price for any of those kinds of things. There's always going to be some kind of deal going on, but you know, every Black Friday they've got they're they're putting together deals on you know buy this and buy that, and you get that, and you get a cover for it, and you get these kinds of things. But they, it's literally every, every single day. day I get a solo stove uh, message. I've got a couple um, uh, sites, you know, a couple liquor stores that I've signed up for online ones. And I get a deal of the day from them. And you're like, ah, guys, I should just stop them because I don't, I don't, you know, after a while you stop paying attention to them and uh, whether they're good or not. Um, look into one. Uh, Brian says he received, they're great stoves. They are really well built. I mean, they're kind of the original. There's some, I think there's one out there called Brio too. It's built here in the U.S. It's pretty good. Um, Solo is the original. They do nice. They got great stuff. I, I hear good things about them. Um, and so if you're looking for kind of a medium use, you know, they, they're a little, they're a little pricey, a little pricey for what you're getting. Um, but they, they're, they're, they seem seemingly, I'd never bought one. I, I built my own one in the backyard, but pizza, oven. you know, yeah, they got pizza ovens and <laughs> nuclear reactors and, you know, they're like, uh, they, I think they have, you know, solo, uh, solo powered cars now. They, well, they got... I live by a nuclear power plant. So <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that. You're okay just, with that? It's just we, down the street. We have <laughs> one. What's crazy here in Nebraska? You wouldn't think like we'd be into that at all, but we have one north of us, not very far, maybe 20 miles, and then I've got one 50 miles south, or not even that, 40 miles south. Yeah. So there's a couple here on the Missouri that. Uh, yeah. Justin says, uh, in all seriousness, my meter is great. Yeah, it is a great product. Yeah, I like yes. it. Yeah, yeah, first generation Kickstarter block. Still use it. And I I bought the regular one. Um, uh, Greg says there's some really cool videos on YouTube for DIY smokeless fire pits. And Greg, I followed some of those, built my own. We got a great fire pit in the back that I built with, with a metal ring and some stone. That works out really, really well. We have no complaints. So I have thought about, though, picking up some kind of smokeless, smaller, you know, I have a 36-inch fire pit. It takes a lot of wood, like, yeah. to get, you know, and it gets warm, it gets hot. But I've thought about getting a small smokeless, you know, those are 20 inches or 22 maybe, because uh, size matters. And and you, <laughs> you, I thought about that just for the patio when I just want to do a, you know, a quick fire, you know, go out and enjoy a cocktail on maybe a 40 or 50 degree night. And it's not too bad. Yeah. Um, Greg says, uh, father-in-law has them. Can't, can't get them to work, but that's not too surprising. <laughs> well, you got to get them hot too. So anyways, guys, if you joined us live, thanks for coming out. Always good. Tonight was super fun. We'll be back next week. I've got Jeff C coming. Uh, he actually is coming from, he is a listener to, Ask the podcast coach. 
and uh, we're going to have him on. He's kind of a tech guy, and so we're going to have him on next week. Working on Aaron Lawrence to get her back, and uh, and, and apparently, uh, I mean, I've had TJ, but maybe that other guy from HomeTech.fm. Oh, Seth. Sometimes. Yeah, What's his name? name? Oh, yeah, Seth. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Maybe we can get Seth on here uh, as well. Get his get his side. Would he, would he talk some? Would he talk some smack about you and and uh, TJ if he was on? Is he? Oh, with, Seth will just say how much he loves us. You know, oh, okay. All right. he, he will only talk us up. Oh, like, oh. He, he's that good. Well, what fun is that? So I'm trying to create some smack talk between the three of you. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that Seth's not good at smack talk. I mean, oh, TJ right. gives me a run for my money. So all right. Like, you know. All right. Well, I won't expect much from Seth then when he, when he reaches out to me. Guys, thanks for coming out. Have a great weekend. Uh, the weather's improving here in the Midwest, here at least here in the United States. Gavin, I'm sending some good weather your way. I think it's going to get warm. And uh, and hang out for me one second. We will see you guys next Thursday. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Take care.